Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. I don't ever tell homeowners like go out there and do your own electrical. Like you, you a lot of places you can pull permits. Like in Austin, there's a homeowner's permit um, to do work. Though under a homeowner's permit, you cannot hire other contractors for anything. You have to gotcha. take all of the liability on your own, and it still goes through an inspection process. But the inspector will come through and be like, okay, you obviously have no clue what you're doing. Like you need to hire at least hire a master to come in here and tell you how to do things correctly but don't let him touch anything because then it's his liability. But yeah, I try to I try to tell people like don't don't do your own wiring because that, most of the work that we do is fixing husband's wiring who said they were going to do it and not When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. The we've got you covered. This is around the house. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we talk everything about your house every single weekend. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a special guest in the studio, Dustin Stelzer, master electrician from Austin, Texas, and the guy that founded Electrician U. Welcome to Around the House, man. How are you doing, man? This is great. Happy to have you on today, man. Yeah, dude, it's happy to be here. I uh, checked out your show and I like what you're about. Thanks. We've got a mutual friend, our buddy Roger Wakefield, master plumber. Yeah, <laughs> Roger. Roger and I have a great relationship. It's kind of one of those uh, like plumbers are better, electricians are better kind of a things. <laughs> so we're always giving each other crap. But uh, yeah, I love Roger, man. Just a positive, great dude. Always on fire. Always wanting to help people out. Man, he is he is just as solid as it gets. My favorite plumber out there. Well, I wanted to talk to you today, man, about so much that you've got going on. I love how you're just blowing up the electrical space out there. And really given some education to electricians, but including homeowners as well for people trying to tune in and, and learn something else out there, because I think there was such a need for that. And man, you've just jumped in and filled that space full steam. Yeah, I, um, I saw an opening a long time ago. So basically how I started was I got my master electrician's license and I figured like the, my whole career, there was nothing visual for me to see for like how do, how do you wire a switch? And like, how does a capacitor work and all this stuff, you know, like I didn't understand it and electricity is invisible, invisible, you know? So like with plumbing, plumbers can see the water so they can see what's happening. There's no mystery there, but with us, you got to like understand quantum physics and wave <laughs> particle physics. Like you don't really see anything and it just acts crazy. So I was like, okay, there's people that have made books on electrical code and you know, how to, yeah how to install stuff correctly, I guess, to codes, but there's just, there was nothing instructive in like video or visual form. And I'm a creative person. I'm a very visual learner. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make it. So about six years ago, I just started putting videos together. And you know, the, the cool thing is that as I'm instructing people, I'm having to have my head in books and actually like learning things even deeper and more profoundly. And I found that just teaching in general, having apprentices under, under me, it like forces you to know a lot more, a lot quicker. So, um, it's Man, kind it's, of Dustin, it's so true because 
you can know that this is the right way to do it. But when you have to sit there and explain why it's the right way to do it, it's a different <laughs> thing of, oh, yeah, we just always do it that way. But why do we always do it that way? Yeah. Yeah. I had some people coming up that I worked under, you know, some journeymen that I would ask them. I was that annoying apprentice too, man. Like <laughs> I was like, how does this work? And how does the, how do the waves do this? And I wear the boat and people are just like, dude, shut up. Just go put the wire in. <laughs> and I'm like, but how does this work? And they're like, I don't care how it works. Just the white wire, hook it to the other white wire and shut up. But so, you know, I would find teachers though, that were nerds like me, other journeymen and other masters. And those are the ones that I really clung to because they had that thirst when they were younger and they understood and they needed to pass that on to somebody who really cared and wanted to be great. That is awesome. And you know something, I think right now and in, in 2022, going into 2023, that electricians are going to be the need of the future over the next de next decade or so more so than even ever before. I think it's going to be almost like what we saw in the turn of the century when we started putting electricity in homes. Now we're going to be putting in so much more electricity into homes from car chargers to, you know, maybe taking things that are natural gas and flipping them over into electrical. And, you know, how many 100 or 150 amp panels out there in the residential world that are going to have to be swapped out in the next decade? Well, it's man, it's really interesting to see that because we've not only are we putting more things into homes, we're kind of changing how much things use and reducing it as much as possible. So Correct. I think what we're going to see in the next, I don't know, like 10 years or so is that all lighting is going to be low voltage. You know, like I think yep. there's going to be a way LEDs, like everything's already low voltage. It's being converted from high voltage to low voltage, but I don't think there's a need. There's a lot of commercial lighting out there right now. That's all mm -hmm. just low voltage cable to each thing. And you have low voltage cables <laughs> down to these little smart switches and occupancy sensors and stuff. So a lot of that stuff doesn't need to be as bright and as powerful and crazy. So a lot of that's going to reduce. Um, and I think that Excellent using point. DC, using battery backup and, and things like that, I, I just think we're going to see a reduction in a lot of things but also like you're saying we have car chargers we have these big crazy pools we have all these other things yep. that we want to do so i don't know it'll be interesting yeah i just look at it you know the general homeowner out there that's got maybe that 100 150 amp panel and they just went out and bought the, the latest electric car and they want to put a hot tub in and all of a yeah. sudden <laughs> they got more amperage pulling out of that panel than it was originally designed for not counting the rest oh, yeah. of the house right yeah. And that's, you know, there's a lot of houses like my house was built in 1968. I got like a hundred amp panel on my, you know, it's an old yeah. Zinsco, which they don't even make, oh. I I, you know, <laughs> like old, old stuff that definitely has to be replaced. But, um, but, you know, I will say too, a lot of people kind of misunderstand when they look at a panel, they think, okay, I have to add up every single one of my breakers and that's how big my panel is. And it's like, nah, <laughs> most of what's in your panel, you're not using like even a 10th of, you know, if you yeah. have a 200 amp panel, you might be using 20 amps maximum ever, you know, there's yeah. so much capacity. But yeah, if you're adding something like a Tesla charger and you need like 80 amps sustained for eight <laughs> straight hours or something like that, then yeah, you do definitely, you'll have to upgrade your panel, which is good so for me. true. So true. That's, and that's why you're going to be so needed and, uh, and your people out there. Cause I don't know, I see it in, and again, like you said, I, I think that, that it could go a bunch of different ways, right? You know, they could come out with right now it's, you know, okay, you need a 60, 80 amp charger, depending on what level of charge you put in there. But then who knows, maybe they turn around and boom, it's something else, you know, in two or three years that 
that doesn't require that, which will change the entire plan that they're going to need to do to, to put in that much amperage. Because, you know, my old house here that I have built in 79, I had the old split main cutler hammer, you know, like to catch on fire. And uh, <laughs> ironically, I bought the house and, and I looked at that panel and I went, ah, that's a little smoked. Okay. That's, that's going to go on the short list. And sure enough, we had to move the meter to get in uh, to, to meet code where they'd put it versus where it is now. And long story short, we noticed that when they were pulling it down, that the, the neutral was shorting out against one of the legs and had already rubbed through the wire of the neutral. And that's what was causing the heat inside the panel. So I was weeks to months away from having a panel fire, but yeah. Strange things. And happen. with that old with that old panel too, there was no surge protection. There was no, you know, like even that era, what how old was the house? Uh 79. Did you have smoke detectors? Oh yeah. Okay. So there's that's a thing though, is a lot of houses back then they didn't have any smoke protection or any kind of fire protection. They didn't have any a lot of the breakers just weren't smart enough or they weren't, you know, not that they weren't smart enough, but over time they aren't as effective as they used to be. So they wouldn't trip. Um, or you'll have like a bad bus connection. So the actual bus where the breaker snaps in, there's like a loose termination. There's all kinds of stuff. And then over the years, all of the change in temperature, all the moisture. Yeah. Like there's disasters waiting to happen everywhere. That's one of the things that bugs me sometimes when I jump on Craigslist and Facebook marketplace, I see people selling those old breakers that came out of, you know, I don't know if it's some apprentice or somebody that's at the junk pile at the, uh, you know, <laughs> when it's coming out of the van at the end of the day, but I'm seeing, you know, black market breakers out there of stuff that they yeah. haven't made for 30 years. Right. But it's like, oh man, yeah. why don't you guys just squat that panel out instead of trying to, to do that much with it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, uh, it's really dangerous to be doing that. But I know a lot of, uh, us electricians that have been, I don't know, you know, 15, 20 years oh, and older, we would keep the old stuff that we would tear out of panels because say you got like an old ranch out in East Texas somewhere way in the middle of the boondocks and you got some old grandma that's like lost power. And it's like, dude, I got a, I got one of those. I just keep it in my truck. I can go throw that in there. It's better than the Completely one that's burned out. understand it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll hit her with a $3,000 service build next weekend, you know, but like right <laughs> exactly. now I just, I got to do something, but it's what's cool now. Now, right. Yeah. But there's a lot of other breakers out there. I like to tell people not to do that anymore because now there's companies that are making brand new replacement breakers that have like good springs in them and they're actually <laughs> UL listed and stuff like that. So true. So true. What are you seeing out there? I mean, the trades is something that you and I can sit here and talk for four hours on about getting people into the trades. But man, there is such a shortage out there. And my impression is, is that we're going backwards, not forward. We just can't get the get the young generation into the trades fast enough to replace all those guys out there and, and ladies that have been ready to retire now that have done their 30 or 40 years. Yeah, it's it's a culmination of a lot of things. So right now, for those listening that don't know, there's a thing that we call the skilled trade gap. And it's a huge gap from the people that are retiring, you know, 50s, 60s, to the people that are coming in the trades that want to be YouTubers and play video games and stuff. And they just don't have the same desire. And there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. they're, they don't have the same desire to go out and actually sweat and break their knuckles doing stuff if they can make more money doing other things. So this generation that's very digitally minded, they've seen, wow, there's tons of people making millions of dollars, not sweating. I, why do I want to go make a little bit of money doing whatever? But I think what needs to be understood by kids 
is, or taught to them, told to them, is you can actually make a really, really good living doing a trade and you'll always have work for the rest of your life. You're never going to be sitting there without the ability to find work. And that's a problem, you know, as seasons go, like people are out of work when you work in an IT and you're coding, there's like 50 million people that code. And if the company downsizes, you're just a number, you know, they don't care just like about Twitter. You. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So it's like a real skill that you actually know. And the cool thing is like, you can whip out tricks when you're at parties and stuff. I can't tell you how many vehicles I've started from grabbing some Romex out of my truck and just like pulling, <laughs> you know, and twisting some wire together and boom, just hold it on there. And people are like, what did you just do? And I'm like, bro, electrician, that's an S on your chest, you know, like you're Superman. Exactly. But it's also, you know, electricity is dangerous. It's, there's, it's cool. There's like this mm -hmm. awesome, cool factor to being an electrician. And I think I've seen almost every person I've gotten into this trade. This is the coolest thing I've ever done. There's all these machines and motors and electricity is invisible and it does all this crazy stuff. You know, so I think we need kind of a re-education of what it means to work with your hands. And I think the biggest problem is that schools don't teach that this is cool. You know, they teach like code programs and make video games and stuff. And the kids are immersed in that world. But I think schools don't teach like, hey, if you take something apart and put it together and see how a thing is built and how this works, like you can make money doing that and you could be really good at fixing stuff. And I think there's a lot of people that would love that if they knew, hey, I don't have to go to college and go into debt and I can still have a good life. I think that it just needs to be broadcast more. Yeah, I mean, if you're a kid that's that's loves science and math and and like working with your hands, you're gonna get you're gonna make more money as an electrician than you are gonna be that middle school science teacher. So if you yes. really want to be able to give yourself some freedom and a good income and not have the college debt, go be an electrician. Yeah, and you know that's funny that you bring that up too because a lot of teachers out there will are like, well, don't you need to get a degree or else you're going to end up being a plumber or like something. You know, it's like, dude, I know plumbers that have multiple homes that are balling that have beautiful like Audis, all kinds exactly. of crazy cars, pools. They go on vacations. They're wealthy. So it yeah, like sure, there's the there's the there with any job you could be the one scientist guy that works at the corporation or you could be the scientist guy that started his own corporation and is like bajillionaire. So you could be an yeah. electrician that's just working out in the field and you get a great wage and you just, that's it. Or you could be like kind of crazy about electricity and want to start a company and have trucks and have all this stuff. Um, and you can make a, an outstanding living for yourself. I mean, great example right now. I know of probably four to six positions that if I had a friend that was on the East Coast right now wanting to move out to Portland where I'm at, that I could say, okay, I'll get you a year contract and a $20,000 signing bonus just because you want to come out here and work. Yeah. And I, I know a guy that'll write a check tomorrow for 20 yes, grand like, just so you can get out here and work. And that, come on, who does that? Yeah, and that's the crazy thing too is trained people that really know what they're mm -hmm. doing. They have a blank check anywhere they go. They can get paid anything they want. They're in high demand and they're so hard to find. If I was just to announce like on YouTube, hey guys, <laughs> like... I'm looking for a job. Who's going to hire me? Like I know the opportunity because I'm actually one of those super passionate guys. That's going to be a lifelong electrician. That's always trying to move and shake and hustle and do a good job. You know, like that's, that's really hard to find. Finding apprentices, they're a dime a dozen, right? Finding people that don't know or don't really care. They're everywhere, but yeah. they're replaceable. 
What are you seeing right now on the on the apprentices that make it through? Are you seeing a, a 50, 60 percent rate in 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 your area? What are you seeing out there? Because I know it's different. You know, it's different everywhere. What do you mean a 50 percent or 60 rate? Well, you know, people that start as the apprenticeship program and actually make it through to the other side, oh. you know, like entering boot camp versus turning into the electrician. Are you seeing a pretty successful rate for those or? I know a lot of it's on the person. Well, and a lot of it's on the company. So I uh, yeah. I think most of it, I think 98% of that, the answer to that question are the people that this new person that's insecure and doesn't know anything has to work under. And if, you, if that person, uh, male or female, is working for people that are not mindful at all, that don't care, that are just, you know, jerks all day, just berating mm -hmm. people. Yeah, they're never they're going to equate that 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 is what an electrician is and they're never going to want to do it. But it, you got people that are like really on fire about it and love it and teach safety and training and always want to give opportunity and, and like bring somebody along and like really groom them. It's a whole different experience for their life. Like when they go home at the end of the day, they're like, dude, I love my job. They tell their wife, like, I can't wait to go to, back to work tomorrow to work with that one guy, like shows me all the crazy things. And then when you're at work, it's like somebody's like putting faith in me and they trust that I'm going to do a good job and they're teaching me how to do a good job. You know, it's a whole... Who is teaching is the biggest thing out there. Granted, yes, there are. Uh, there's a whole different generational thing. Like my son is 17; he's mm -hmm. about to be 18, and he started his apprenticeship last year. So, like just during the summer, he cool. came and worked with me every day. And because he was working with me, and there's mutual respect there, and I wanted to teach him, and he just he wanted to learn. He soaked it up, and I told him like working hard. You know, I show him by working hard that working hard is the right thing to do. So he works hard, you know, so he loved it. And he's like, dude, I don't want to go to college. Like, I want to be an electrician. This is the thing. He wants to be a YouTuber also. But I was like, well, why sure. don't you take this thing and actually make some money until you get to the point of being able to do that? But I think that's the thing is a lot of these kids, if they if they have like a skill or a thing that they've got as their backbone, they can do anything else that they want because the technology that they have at their disposal, they can take whatever they know about anything and they can make millions of dollars doing something with it. <laughs> so true, man. And electricity is interesting. You know, it's, it's one of those things that requires a fair amount of math. And the more you learn about electricity, the more you realize that there's more science and math in there than you think there is. It's, it's shocking. I don't mean, is that a pun, but you know <laughs> how much people have to know to get into there because, you know, you're figuring there's a lot of math in elect in electrical work. It's not just going, Oh, I need 20 amps is 10 amps there, 14 to what, you know, no, that's the basic stuff. The, the hard stuff is figuring loads and all those other things that uh, once you get it is easy. But there is some learning to it. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think the more depth of understanding that you want to have as an individual about electricity, it behooves you to learn more math so that you can understand because electrical engineers, for instance, they talk about electricity in mathematical terms. So they have to understand calculus and differential equations to be able to like construct, you know, these complex waveforms and everything. But electricians, mm -hmm. we just got to install wire. It ain't that crazy with the math, you know, like as long as you know how to balance an equation True. and be like, hey, I'm, I don't know something, but I know some other things and I can put the things I know, I know 
to figure out the thing I don't know. Like that's easy algebra, pretty much. Um, there's tape. There, Great example. Yeah, there's tape measure stuff. You know, like if you're working, you're yeah. always measuring like uh, what is what is like forty nine and five sixteenths divided into three. <laughs> but you got a phone, you can figure that out, right? So it's not that crazy. Fair point. Yeah. The yep. craziest thing with electricity is understanding what it is and how it's working because you can't see it. And then you've got all these people that just have these weird generalized misunderstandings and contradictory things. And so, like, nobody really knows what electricity is, but we have a model that we use in science. And we're like, there's these electron things and just go with that, you know. <laughs> oh, it's it's so crazy. And, and social media, you know, I'm in a lot of the different residential homeowner groups out there on social media and I'll see stuff where somebody's trying to take their their welder outlet in the garage and split that off into a, into a you know a plug-in for their drill or something and or I'm or there's somebody with a 80-year-old house that's got you know two wires in that box for the electrical no ground and they're trying to figure out how to deal with that do I really have to run a ground around there's so many little things that homeowners uh, I love for them when they see this is I just turn around and go, Hey, look, if you don't understand this, this is why you bring the professional in. If you have to ask the question that you're asking, then bring the pro in. It's going to help you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I try to tell people, so my YouTube channel is called electrician, you not electricity, you. And I always try, try to tell yep. people like this is for apprentices who are electricians to help them further understand what they're doing for a license with legal liability backing. You know, exactly. I don't ever tell homeowners like go out there and do your own electrical. Like you, you, a lot of places you can pull permits. Like in Austin, there's a homeowner's permit um, to do work though. Under a homeowner's permit, you cannot hire other contractors for anything. You have to take all of the liability gotcha. on your own and it still goes through an inspection process, but the inspector will come through and be like, okay, you obviously have no clue what you're doing. Like you need to hire, at least hire a master to come in here and tell you how to do things correctly, but don't let him touch anything because then it's his liability. But yeah, I try to, that makes sense. I try to tell people like, don't, don't do your own wiring because I, most of the work that we do is fixing husband's wiring who said they were going to do it and not have an electrician come out. And the wives <laughs> are always the one that call. You know, and and we have to fix a lot of stuff because they don't understand. They think that they just see a picture in a book. And it's like, no, there's there's a lot more to it. Now, here's a secret for all of my uh, all of our listeners out there that uh, check out my videos and stuff that I've done over the last six years. If you'll notice, you never see me hooking a wire up in those. And I do that on purpose <laughs> because I don't want ever this to be a DIY video for how to hook something up electrical. I'll be putting a vent fan in, I'll be putting an outlet in and I'll go, all right, well, we'll be back in a second. And all of a sudden it's working again, because uh, if I have to show you that in the video, again, this is why you need to have that licensed electrician out there to do that work for you. I don't want to be the one teaching you how to do it because your situation could be very wrong or different or anything else. And that can go badly. Uh, like you said, from a homeowner point of view. Yeah. And I always try to be really um, mindful of that, right? Like when I first started making content, that was my biggest fear is I was like, oh my God, if I do any kind of misstep, every electrician on the planet is just going to light me up. <laughs> and it's funny because I will watch other people's videos and I'll be like, oh, wow, you're really just working on that that whole panel live, opening that up and just telling Mr. and Mrs. Homeowners to start doing, you know, stuff on live circuits. And you're not going to say, go shut the main off. You're not going to talk about wearing hot gloves. You're not going to insulated tools, nothing. 
you know, so I try to incorporate yeah. a lot of that stuff and make sure that I show an image of a breaker being shut off or, because uh, <laughs> you have to, it's, it's the responsible thing to do. And I, I think you, if you're going to be teaching electrical, you need to be talking just as much about safety and respecting safety and doing things correctly um, as you are about, you know, installing this stuff. Yeah. I watched a, uh... Oh, probably 15, almost 20 years ago, I watched an accident happen in the, one of the cabinet shops I was working at, and they were working on a three-phase panel that was hot, and I don't know what happened, but uh, I heard the arc, and then they had to put the uh, the electrician that was working on it, his Carhartt's lit on fire, and they had to put him out. So I don't know what happened there, but it was bad. Whoa. And he made it, but my job was to go out and clear <laughs> the uh, clear the parking lot so Life Flight could get in and get him out of there, but uh whew. After seeing that, it gave me a new respect of like, okay. Yeah. I mean, commercial stuff's a different story, but still, it uh, it can happen to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it can, you can get 120 volts can kill you just like 480 volts can. And, you know, depending on how much current's going through you, how much voltage is, and if you're wet or not, because it changes the amount of resistance that you're giving to all of that current trying to go through your body. Um, there's a lot of different ways where you can get shocked, you know, just, just basically hurt uh, or electrocuted, you know, like seriously hurt or killed. Um, so yeah, it's nothing to play around with, but I, I try to like put some levity into that because I want to, I want yeah. more electricians to come in here and not be terrified of it. I'd say 90% of the time you're doing work, you're not working anywhere near live stuff. Most of the time we're running wires and walls, we're installing light fixtures, we're doing all of this stuff. And at the very, very end, we will go turn a breaker on and see if it works and pull a multimeter out. And we're actually testing a live circuit. Um, but the majority of the time, even if you go to like a commercial or industrial thing and you have a service call, most of the time it's because something won't turn back on. It's like the trip, something tripped, something's yep. blown up. So you're walking into a dead situation. So, uh, you know, with a little bit of levity, he's like, sure, it's dangerous and people do have to work on things live, but that's why they make proper PPE or, you know, protective equipment. They make gloves, they make face shields. And I think if that person with the Carhartt, I don't know what happened. I'm, yep. I'm making some broad assumptions here, but they probably didn't have any sure. of this stuff on. And that's why they got. They did yeah. not. They didn't have the gloves. They didn't have, it was literally a guy sitting there in his Carhartt jacket and, and overalls underneath it, sitting there working on it. So uh, I came on 10 seconds later, there was zero PPE that I saw right there. Yeah. So, which would have prevented that most likely. Yeah. And a, a lot of people don't understand so. too. It's like, they think they get into an environment and they're like, ah, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm safe. But it's the accidents. It's the <sighs> things that like you drop a piece of metal into this, this uh, panel that you're working in and then it connects between two mm -hmm. hots and then boom, it blows an explosive amount of energy at you. There's all, you know, just, uh, I, I say it all the time. Don't work on electricity live unless you're trained and you have the proper PPE. You can do all your own, like running wire Romex in your house and doing all that if you want, but working on live power is extremely dangerous and shouldn't be done unless you're an electrician and you're trained. Yeah, Dustin, that's the thing for all you people out there that are thinking about being an electrician one day. These are all things that you have 100% control of if you're an electrician, because it's you're the one that's going to go off, turn the panel off, turn the breaker off. You're the one in control of that. So that's the beautiful part of that. If you take the minute, go over and shut it off, you now have control of that situation. And like if it was a commercial project, you'd actually go lock it out, for instance, versus that. Yeah. You're still in control of the whole situation. So is it dangerous for you? No. You take the right steps. 
that's not going to be your problem. Yeah, it's really just mit mitigating risk. Like we decide as electricians how much risk we're willing to take. And it's even silly stuff like climbing up on ladders. We're on ladders all the time because we're doing stuff up in ceilings. So it's like how janky of a ladder setup are we going to try to do to get up to this 27 foot light that we got to hang? Are we going to get, you know, some people will do crazy stuff. And it's like you're literally putting your life in, in risk to put a light fixture up that you're getting paid $25 for this one hour it's going to take you to do you really for 25 bucks it's worth risking that like no so it, the the best companies are the ones that preach safety and that actually overtrain to the point where it's like obnoxious how much they're talking about safety and doing things right those yeah. are the best to work for because they'll never put your life in jeopardy Exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've called electricians to do something that I could easily do because that's the uh, chandelier that weighs 100 pounds <laughs> and it's in the 24 foot high entryway next to the stairs. And I'm like, I ain't going up yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I when, I get a, when I get a call from somebody, they're like, hey, I got a light that I want you to hang. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll come out there. And then I go, because <laughs> we deal with large custom <laughs> homes. And I'll see this like 40 foot atrium with like a 500 pound chandelier. And I'm like, this is going to take six people. Like how, what? Yeah. All right. So we're hanging a piano off the thing up there that we're going to plug <laughs> yeah. in, right? Awesome. <laughs> yep. And it's so funny. All these big fixtures that people buy, like really expensive, you know, $20,000 entry light chandeliers. They're made by somebody drinking beer out of their garage. Like they are hacked together. Almost <laughs> every one of them. They all, they bear, like they don't have UL listings. They're like, oh yeah, I found it in Mexico somewhere. And, it's like, how much did you pay? Oh. They paid so much. And it's just, again, it's somebody just kind of ragtagging some stuff together. And so hanging it, it's like, okay, this is dangerous. Like, I don't feel safe with this hanging above somebody's head because it's not made with quality stuff. Yeah. You, you, that base could be fastened perfectly. You did everything you could. And three quarters of it comes apart six weeks later. It comes down. And of course, it's ripping the wires right with it yeah. because whoever built it didn't really put it together for to be upside down hanging yeah. up there. Or my favorite is when they've got this really complex, beautiful design and they've run the cord through all the chains and through all the little beautiful pieces and all this stuff. And you go and turn the light switch on and it just shorts out every time because they were just yanking wire through this, trying to get it through all these <laughs> stupid things. And they didn't put bushings, you know, like there's a lot to this stuff. But then, then oh, you have yeah. to go take the entire thing you spent all day putting together and take it all back down and find a short and rerun new wire in it. Stupid. Ah, oh, man. It's interesting that you are listing something interesting. And I ran into this with my brother here years ago. He bought some, he's got a vintage house and he bought some streetlights to go around the sidewalk and stuff around the outside, pulled permits, did everything else on it. Actually had a guy come in and run the wire and do it all for him. But the final inspection, the inspector came up and went, where's your UL listing on those lights? Mm -hmm. And they have the right to do that. And, uh, they did, yeah. and uh, he had to he had to send them off and get them test, uh, you know, certified. And that was uh, that was not easy. No, no, it's not. Um, and well, and UL is not the only listing agency, so that's something too. Like to get yeah. faster listings or to not have to go through such a strenuous, crazy process, you can get other listings. Mm -hmm. And as long as it is listed, period, it doesn't have to be UL yeah. listed. But that was the problem yep. with Federal Pacific. I don't know if you know about the whole Federal Pacific breakers yeah. thing. They were lying and they were saying that they had a list. They had gone through all the listing procedures, and then they got their listing taken away after they realized that all of their breakers weren't tripping and there was a hazard. And they kept selling with the UL stickers on them for years, for like, for like oh. 20 years, they just kept doing it. And so finally, I think it was in the, in the early nineties, like 92 or maybe late eighties, uh, they got shut down. They like, they had to close shop because they had lied to the people about all of it. 
but it was it was all oh. inspectors that were going out after that there was this huge wave of like every inspector was like super is this listed is this listed to make sure that this is listed oh, yeah yeah so i haven't heard of an inspector checking a ul listing ever in my entire career so that's kind of crazy it was crazy. I was uh, first thing I asked my little brother was, "Okay, who'd you make mad down yeah. there? Who'd you make mad?" Because that was, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy, is what that was. But what are you seeing out there too, as far as um, you know? One thing I, I really like about what I'm starting to see out in the trades, but man, the females that should be in being electricians and plumbers out there, I'm liking what I'm seeing of the trend of our female population starting to get into these trades. And it's not the, the problems that we saw 25 years ago compared to now, but uh, I think there's such a huge opportunity out there because you're seeing workwear being built. You're seeing all these different opportunities. And I think it's a missed opportunity for plenty of people out there that want to get into the trades. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we have this whole skilled uh, gap problem mm-hmm. and I think, if we just hired as many females as there are males, <laughs> it would fix the whole problem overnight. Right. Um, the, the, the industry is very male dominated. So there is I'm, I'm friends with a lot of females that are in the trades and we talk ad, in agnosium about the issues and the reasons why there aren't more females or the issues that females have when they come in. And really, in, in today's world, I think people are a lot more mindful than they used to be. Um, they understand that the, the culture and people act differently and people just like respect and mindfulness and all of that is is something that mm-hmm. people care a lot more about. And they won't put up with if there's not that in in their environment. But there's a lot of things that like because this is a male dominated industry that we just don't know about. It's not that we're a bunch of chauvinists, you know, like male pigs that just yeah. want to hold the woman down. There, it's nothing like that. Most <laughs> dudes are like, dude, hell yeah. yeah, we got a woman that's like on the on the job site. Yeah. And it's like this competitive thing, you know, it's but it's fun. But there's a lot of things like um just porta johns out on a job site. Yeah. They like females need bigger, cleaner, well lit spaces for what they have to do compared to a dude that can just go and like, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter to us, but was, yeah. The home Depot bucket in the corner is perfectly fine to them. Right. You know, that's not what they, that's not what they need for the job. Yeah. And so there's there, it's just things like that need to be brought to the attention of people so that something can be done about it. But the industry, I think in general is a lot more welcoming than it ever used to be, but there still are people that just don't know how to act around a woman. You know, the biggest, one of the biggest complaints a lot of females have is that they are thought of as a girlfriend prospect instead of just a worker. Oh. So like everybody's trying to figure out like if they can date him or if, you know, or like, oh. yeah, or like, or that the other one is, uh, hey, can I carry your ladder for you? Or, hey, let me get that. It might be too heavy. Or, hey, don't oh. fall off. I know, but it's even homeowners. It's not even just regular people. Like homeowners will be like, oh, woman electrician, are those tools too heavy? And they're not trying to be mean. They're just, they're trying to figure out how do I talk to this human? This is just a, a bizarre thing. And it's like, no, just talk to them like you would if they were a dude. You would give them respect first because yeah. they're wearing tools. They're obviously qualified or they wouldn't be there doing it. You know, don't treat them exactly. any differently and stop trying to hit on them. They're people. They're just normal people. Exactly. You know, it's one thing too, and I'll say this to all the manufacturers out there that are listening to this because there are a few of them. And I think the one of the biggest complaints I'm hearing is that, yes, there are things that are built for women and boots and clothing and stuff, but we're still not there yet. You know, it's like we're 20% there because 
you know, maybe with the with the PPE and the workwear, okay, some of it's being made in in women's clothing, but not all of it is, or not enough of it is. So there's some companies that have gone out and gone, okay, hey, we're we've got a good start. And, and I appreciate the good start that they're out doing it, but uh, I can't wait for that day when they're actually coming out and putting out an equal line for the male and female side of things out there, because uh, I know we've got more to go, but uh, that's one of the biggest complaints I've heard from my friends uh, in the trades that, uh, that there's a little bit more to go on, on getting the right workwear out there. Yeah. I think there's a lot more to go. Um, I, th- I think, there tends to be a trend of like, hey, we want to just be the cool company that is seen as caring about a certain group of disaffected exactly. people versus people that understand the problems and are themselves the ones that are going to solve this, the issue. So I think a lot of female run companies, I think you're going to see a lot more um, clothing companies that are that are female run that are like, let's make some clothes for us, you know, that actually that we understand yeah. the problem. Um, but I think there's there's just yeah there's a long 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 way to go because there's so many products that have to be thought of in terms of hand sizes waist sizes body shapes you know different frames different like issues with how bodies work like there's just yeah. a lot of other things to consider and I think if it's still yeah. largely all male run from the top we're still going to be trying to like put a hammer uh, you know on an apple and think like you know yeah. it's a good match. Yeah, and, and I'm going to call the retailers out because that is part of the problem here. These companies are really good, but I am going to say that the that the other issue we have out there is retailers, and uh, they need to make the shelf space for that as well. Yeah, I agree. And you know, uh, so, obviously, that, like in it, throughout history, we things don't get taken care of until people are loud enough about the problems, right? Like power yeah. kind of power historically always has to be taken; it's never given. And so I think to to make things happen, to shake things up, there needs to be voices and people stepping up to take care of the problems. And we are starting to see a lot of that. I don't mean to be, you know, sound so drab about it all, um, but but there does need to be a lot more. I love to see change. And the more we can uh, help push that along, I think that's the positive side of this, because uh, I think they need more advocates out there for people trying to make that change. And I love that. Yeah. And there's a lot of groups, too, where there's um, like female only uh, groups of um, like on on Reddit or something like that. You know, there's there's some like Mm -hmm. trade women groups. I think just every person that works with a female or even doesn't work with a female, just being a part of groups like that and kind of listening and seeing, holy crap, like this is the issues they're having. I had no idea because I do that too. And like, damn, I didn't even realize I was creating a problem. And like the more females that we can kind of elevate to tell their stories and create a a safe space for them to feel comfortable talking about stuff, um, the more people are going to know and it's going to be able to help the problem. But just like, feeling like they have to be sequestered and not have a voice because they don't want to be judged. That's how a lot of them feel uh, right now. And, or the opposite, they're being like hated on because there's a lot of men out there that are like, we don't need more women in the trades. Like just we're fine with all the men that we have, you know, there's just a lot of differing opinions out there, but I have found, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of followers. So I get comments like, I don't even can't, can't even count the comments and the people that I talk to and groups of people all over the internet. I'm like really engaged in this whole thing. And I will say probably 90% of people fall in the middle where they're mindful, they're like secure, supportive, they want to help and they want to learn about the issue so they're not being an idiot. Um, That's most people. It's just that with any issue in the world, you're always gonna have the opposite polarities (laughs) that are way extreme. And 
you got that you got that handful of percentage of trolls out there that love to love to roll things up but uh, i think the biggest thing we can do is is guys out in this field is quite frankly listen and see what we can do to make things better yeah absolutely we don't always have something to say we don't always have to have something to say right we can just listen exactly exactly well, hey, I wanted to talk to you about Electrician U and get into this a little bit more because I like what you're doing here. And, you know, we've gone off on uh, all these different things out there, but I love how you're really training people out there. Let's talk about how this was started. How did you get into this really, Dustin? I mean, obviously, you know, you have gone to be spending a ton of time doing doing all this media and social media now. Yeah, it's overwhelming. <laughs> So when I, when I started, I was like, hey, I'm just going to make some cool videos and I'm gonna talk about the testers that I like and that I think are garbage and that people shouldn't buy. And I was starting my electrical company because I had just become a master electrician and I was trying to get more customers. So I was like, maybe if I put some videos out on YouTube of like some of the work we're doing and like talk about just anything in life it might get people to like the persona of my company and I might get more work. And I realized that all I was doing is attracting a whole bunch of electricians that were doing that. They were like, Hey man, I like your perspective. Have you ever tried this? You should try this. And so it became like this back and forth thing where it grew into enough people that it became a community. And then I had a bunch of sponsors reach out and that was like dominoes, you know, after that, um, once yeah. I realized that there are, you know, brands that have like billion dollar budgets that are, that are interested in, putting the red tool in my hand while I'm talking about something. Exactly. Yeah. But then I kind of felt messed up about it. Like at first I was like, God, am I a sellout because I am trying to earn money doing this? And, you know, like I was still working out in the field as an electrician, but then the the income became so parallel, you know, it was like, oh, wow, I could actually yeah. make more talking to a camera than I ever could, like five, mm -hmm. 10 times more than I could ever do as like a master electrician. So it just kind of, the money decision was part of it, but mainly it was the massive community of people. Um, and all of them were like, dude, thank you so much. Like, this is so needed. Some kind of visual thing of people explaining stuff and how it works. And it got to be the point where, um, you know, instructors in schools use my stuff to teach in their classrooms with now. And so I would get entire classrooms of people and I'd get instructors and I cuss, you know, like I'm actually an electrician. I really wear tools. I have tattoos. <laughs> I was in the Marines. I speak the... Uh, the dirty version of English, I suppose you could say. So I think a lot of electricians yep. were like, oh, dude, he's he's like legit, you know, like he's real and he's not it's the real yeah, thing. He's not afraid to like throw out some cuss words <laughs> tastefully. Um, when I started, my <laughs> I cussed way too much. It was like it was like um, absurd how much because I was insecure in front of a camera, you know, and instead of saying like yeah. um or uh a lot, it was just mm -hmm. like F bombs constantly. And uh, I was trying to teach. And so I would have instructors at schools reach out and be like, bro, you got to cut this out, man. You got to stop. Like, I can't use your yeah. stuff in my class. And at first I fought it because I was like, I'm going to be me and I'm not yep. going to filter myself for your oh. corporateness. And then, I, <laughs> you know, I was like, go make your own videos. Like, quit trying to watch the yep. stuff I'm giving you for free and complain about it. <laughs> but then as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm like, no, there's actually like I'm limiting who has access to information by not being wise about that, you know. Um, so I'm, yeah. I, Absolutely. my videos today are far, like I, I might go like five videos and then one little like tasteful story of a cuss word might come out or something, but I specifically still don't filter myself. I'm just far more confident and I, I'm careful with my language, I think. 
Yeah, I've gotten better too. And, uh, you know, that darn FCC for the radio show is the one that I have to be careful with. That's the only thing. But uh, that's why we're not live. We always record. So I have to clean it up. I had, uh, I don't know if you've ever caught him out there. I I like doing stuff different with this show. So uh, I brought on Carmine, the construction comic. I don't know if you've ever caught him out there on social no. media. <laughs> I'm but, so uh, curious now, though. That was, oh, yeah. Check him out. Uh, Hilarious. Uh, I've never had to edit a show that much uh, to try to get that on the radio because it was very, it was very hard to get that in there without it sounding like a beep fest. But uh, it was a good challenge, but uh, probably won't do that again just for that very yeah. reason. <laughs> That's funny. There's a couple of podcasts out there that are just raunchy and they're, pr- they're like, presented as like construction podcast or like electrician podcast. And then when you listen to it, you're like, Oh God, you guys are foul. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's people speaking their truth. Um, and none of us are, yeah, we're absolutely. all just stumbling towards the light at varying levels of grace. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I also noticed though, man, it's, I like how you're doing uh continue education as well, you know, in certain States, because I've noticed that, uh, you know, boy, What's with every state being so different with trade licensing across the country? It's crazy where, you know, one state's got this rule, this state's got another rule. I wish we could kind of standardize that a little bit. Well, a lot of a lot of people would hate if that was standardized as well. Uh, it, know. You know, all, all licensing for anything is, is always at a state level. So states have control of what they deem necessary to have licensing for. And there's states that just don't care. They're like, if you want to be an electrician, go wire three plugs and you're an electrician and you can now run a, run a company. <laughs> and it's seriously, there's, there's, I think there's only like 26 states that actually require state mandated continuing education every year. Um, there's some that require it wow. like by annually. So every two years, and there's a lot of states that have no requirement whatsoever. If you want to, you can, but you're not, you're not going to lose your license if you don't do continuing education. So here in Texas, we will, we, every year we have to do it or we lose our license. Nice. Nice. And, and I know the, the guys out there in the field and the ladies out in the field right now that are going, Oh, I hate the CEUs. And I mean, I hate my CEUs for my trade too, but that's where you get to learn that new stuff or, or maybe new products. Cause this is not a static sport, if you know what I mean. There's yeah. <laughs> everything's changing down the road. Yeah. Especially in the electrical industry. I mean, we change like the biggest thing, in the electrical industry is that everything changes every single year constantly. There's new code books every three years. It's just, there's new, there's all kinds of new crazy stuff being developed for our industry and products and everything. So you have to be able to keep up with it somehow. So I do like that continuing education is mandatory. I think that electricity is dangerous and not everybody should be doing it unless you've had a lot of formal training to take on the liability of risking somebody else's life and their investments. I think that you should have to have a license and there should be inspections to people's work, even if you have licenses. Like I take all that very seriously. But yeah, we we yeah. do. And, okay. and rightfully yeah, so. Yeah, and you were saying we do provide continuing education. So as a part of what I was doing, I realized that continuing education most places is so boring and it doesn't actually teach you anything new. It's just kind of like, here, go through all these click screens and it's all just the code changes from the last year or the last three years or something. So you'll go three years and have the same exact click screen course because nothing's changed 
And it's like, this is yeah. BS. Like we should be teaching and yeah. pushing that people like I had surgery and I had this young nurse. Um, I woke up and I was all drugged out and she was sitting next to me with mm -hmm. this, ma this monster textbook. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, this is my continuing education. I have to do. I'm tested over this entire book. Every single year, there's a new monster book and uh, they take us knowing stuff really, really seriously. And it just made me yeah. think, I was like, wow, I wish we did that too. You know, I just mm -hmm. wish there was a yeah, higher, higher standard. So, Hey, let's talk about some other continuing education stuff here and what's changed out there before we end up running out of time. I got a couple questions for you. What do you think about, you know, the changes over to <laughs> arc fault breakers in homes from your traditional uh, breaker or GFCI? Oh, I think they're great. Um, I think in general, uh, more service calls that I get in houses are because of arc fault breakers that just don't work anymore. You know, there's all, whether it be planned obsolescence and they're just planning on them failing um, or it's just crappy design. There's a couple of brands that never have problems ever. Um, Square D, QO, pretty much mm -hmm. uh, never have any issues. I don't have very many issues with GE, but uh, Siemens, they, they, they're like planned to go bad every year or every two years. Or or oh. it's not all of them. It's it's like maybe three or four out of you know 10 or, or 15 in a panel just go bad and you're constantly replacing them. Um, I think Eaton depends on if you're in the, the, uh, cutler hammer line or not, but like Eaton's got some products yep. that are just not that great. Um, so, you know, in general, I do notice that every code cycle, they're pushing more and more things beyond arc fault breakers. And then they're pushing now more and more things that need to be GFCI protected. So before none of your 220 stuff, none of your big like dryers and like, uh, yeah. you know, anything big had to be protected. But now everything that is 50 amps and 220 volts all has to be GFI protected, um, depending on where. That's smart. Yeah. Um, some things don't have to, but like there's just this constant push of ground fault protection and arc fault protection that is growing and growing and growing every code cycle. So I think we're probably going to see in the next, I don't know, five, 10 years that every breaker in every room has to be smart enough to be able to detect ground faults and arc faults. And I just think we're going to see a big change in what a panel looks like and smart diagnostics and recording, you know, power, like how, how power fluctuations happen. Um, surge protection that we're just I, we're moving towards this very smart electrical system kind of a thing where there's monitoring and there's just more smart logic to how breakers sense problems because we're still living in this like archaic yeah. 1930s push a switch <laughs> back and forth kind of thing um, right but there's brands out there that are doing crazy stuff right now oh it's and, and I, I love the new new thought process on this because you know, we've got the technology. It's out there to do this. I mean, I have that whole sense home energy monitoring system in my house. Yeah. I have the the Ting system for looking for, for uh, you know, electrical fires and that kind of stuff. And uh, when you could put that into a panel that's doing it automatically, uh, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I've got the sense thing too. Mine is, uh, it's called Wiser. It's still the sense, same block yep. that you have, but it's made by Schneider. Um, so yep. I got to install that and mess around with it and do some videos on it. The Ting thing though, you'd mentioned this to me. Can you like re-explain yeah. what the difference between the sense thing and the Ting is? Is it both different hardware? Yeah, different completely. So, you know, as the sense, you know, mounts into your panel and you put the little leads around the, the wires coming in and it uses your Wi-Fi this way, this is a little box 
Hold on, I got one. Oh, that's right. right. You're saying it plugs into receptacles. It just plugs into a receptacle oh, on video. I have one right that's here. So cool. There it is right there. Okay. And so literally it just mount just plug it in. Yeah. And it is now the way they explained it to me is basically it is like lightning has a certain wavelength of sound that comes out of lightning and a little spark, like in the back of an outlet for a stab connection, that's bad or loose. It's doing the same sound. So it's automatically monitoring the relationship of voltage and those noises. So if they say, Hey, we noticed a spark and we noticed a voltage thing, you might have a problem. Yeah. So it's always comparing those and then it'll give me a notice. If something's off, it'll say, Hey, oops, we got a problem. And, uh, they, they will, uh, they even have a thousand dollar insurance policy to send out somebody like you to come out and take a look at it. Because of course, Ting wants to learn mm -hmm. what's going to happen. You know, okay. Well, that sound did this. What was the problem? Was it a bad switch? Was it, you yeah. know, did somebody put a screw, you know, through, through the wire someplace? What happened? And so they're using that just so they can keep learning from it. But, uh, uh, insurance companies out there, check with your insurance company guys, because a lot of these are getting given away out there just for that reason, because, uh, I think state farm's been given a lot away. Uh, heck you think about an insurance company. Okay. We can give you a, something to put in your house and it'll keep your house from burning down from electrical yeah. fire. Yeah. In. You got to think insurance companies all want nothing bad ever to happen ever. So if they've got something <laughs> like this, like, yeah, I would be handing this out like candy to people and be like, well, we don't want to pay premiums ever. We just want you to keep paying us every month. But if it's, you know, if yep. it's that good that they can detect what different um, waveforms are, what, what things are happening. Cause like right now breakers can detect what an arc is. There's a certain signature sure. that an arc looks like or a ground fault looks like. Um, even surge protection, there's a couple of different ways surges happen and we can tell like a certain spike or a certain kind of like ringtail wave, like what's happening. But um, that's really cool that they'll like, you can kind of, they're working with people to figure out every single thing and what it all is. I like that. That's super cool. It's super cool. I will say one thing I don't like about the changing code is I do not, I'm not a fan in my house of the, uh, Childproof outlets, and I get it. I used to have kids, but yeah. dude, can we not make that any harder? To it's hard enough to get the plug in behind the entertainment center to plug it in, but now you got to put something to block it for me to do it too. Come I on. know, man. It's everywhere that kids or anybody that um, might have a d different, I don't even know how to say this in a politically correct manner. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it, but there's anywhere where somebody might be able to stick something metal in and hurt themselves. Um, so even like jail, like certain places where it's not just children that they're worried about. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah. the key to it, a lot of people don't realize this is it's designed so that both flaps are touched and contacted and pressed in at the exact same force at the exact same time. That's the thing they don't oh. tell you. They're both flaps with springs on them, but they're both attached to each other. So you have to push equal ah. force. People sit there and try to put one prong and wiggle it and shake Rock it and knock it. it. Yeah. Yep. No. So if you're kind of like delicate with it and you, you might have to jiggle it a little bit because some it's, it's just springs and little cheap pieces of plastic, yeah. but the better brands, more expensive ones, like you just push it in. And as long as there's equal force on both of them, they go in just fine. But yeah, I hate them. And every See? customer I do stuff hates them too. 
oh, they're so frustrating. And, and like I said, it's that one that's behind the bed. It's behind the, you know, it's behind the, the, the entertainment center, behind the piece of furniture that you're trying to stab in the dark with anyway. Yeah. And it's like, really? We have to block it with that too? Well, you but, know. Uh, I get it. I mean. You know who that, who actually makes electrical code, right? It's oh, the yeah. manufacturers. Well, not all Absolutely. of them. There are people that represent the union, that are, you know, National Electrical Contractors Association. There's a lot of different sure. associations, but the majority of the names in the code book for people that are writing code are manufacturers who have new material that they'd like customers to buy and electricians to have to install. And it ends up being forced to be bought because it's forced in code. Nice. No. <laughs> nice. That makes no. sense. <laughs> I mean, it's just what it is. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's like the sun coming up in the morning. Somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and somebody's got to do it. And uh, they're the ones out there that are pushing it. And, you know, I do like it, to be honest. I do like it with them pushing on some of this stuff. Like you said earlier, you know, there is some, there's some great safety tips with this stuff that, that technology, if we can stop people from getting hurt, if we can stop fires from happening, yeah. you know, I'm all for that, just to be honest. I mean, that's just where I'm at with it, but do I hate the ever-changing code? Yeah, it's frustrating. It's like, man, electricity hasn't changed. Why do we have to keep changing this? Right. But I understand yeah, why. Yeah, that's where the, the line with me. Like, I respect it 100% and it's necessary. It needs to happen. But I think that there's a lot of things that are that also happen because they can, because of the leverage of things. Like, there's, there's just codes that don't need to be codes, but it's that oh. somebody's making something and they want it to get in. And that, that's, that's the stuff that I can't stand. Yeah, that's the politic inside of it that it's like, really, guys, do we have to do it like that? Oh, yeah. And even just to be on like the code making panel, you have to be sponsored by a mega corporation that has a lot of money to sponsor you. So it's like it's not even really penetrable. I mean, you could be a normal electrician. And when they start sending out all the requests and things that they want to have new codes, you can submit whatever you think. But really, the only stuff that's going to shake out and matter and like affect change is what the loudest people are, are speaking um, and have the most amount of sway behind them. So there's just, it's politics, right? Like that's the side of the industry yeah. that I don't like just because I hate politics in general, especially <laughs> like industry politics. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. So we're running out of time here, but I wanted to touch on how do people find you? And uh, if they're if somebody wants to be an electrician, what's their best source to get going? How, do, how does somebody get going on that? Well, there's a couple of different paths. So um, I went up and I was non-union my whole entire career. I've never been in the union. Where I live in Austin, Texas, there's just not a large union presence. Um, there is a union here. It's just that there's probably like 20 times more non-union people. So that's just, there's more opportunity sure. and you don't have to be in the union. There are places like uh, New York City or Chicago, LA, really, really huge places that have massive union presences. And so I say in those areas, you may not have a choice. You might have to go in the union, but I think the union is an outstanding organization because uh, it's a very structured place. It's kind of like the military, how they are like, they have pay scales, right? If you reach certain things you get paid a certain amount it's not based off of just kind of willy-nilly merit and who you're working for and negotiating things so like there's a lot of structure but they fight for your wages they fight for your health care they make sure that you've got benefits and you always have a job and if you don't like something you can call your union house and be like hey i want to be put somewhere else on something else and then boom like they just take care of you so there's a lot of great opportunity and great training and there's a lot of solid union electricians that come out of their training uh, but there's also a lot of solid crap union electricians and there's crap non-union electricians have seen it all across the board but either way that you go up the mountain 
you just get up the mountain. Uh, doesn't really doesn't go. really matter. Now, the one thing that I am very ardent about speaking up against is trade schools. Um, just because yep. not every, but the majority of trade schools out there are businesses first, not educational uh, opportunities. They are businesses. So they require you to pay a lot of money. And then when you get out, you don't actually have anything to show for it. You still have to start at an apprenticeship getting paid nothing. And so they won't tell you that. They'll be like, oh yeah, we'll like knock two years off of your apprenticeship. And it's like, well, those two years are necessary and you need to be out in the field for yeah. those two years, not in a classroom sitting here learning about like drawings of switches on a, a board. You need real world experience. Right. And so I say people that get experience first and can wear tools and know how to use those tools and know how to install things, you're always going to get the job over somebody that's got, you know, four years of experience versus four years of schooling. You're always going to get the experience guys, the job, because that's what I want, right? I'm a master electrician. Yeah. I want to know if I hire you on day one, what are you going to do with those tools and all that material? You're going to go put it up or are you going to not know what to do? And that to knowing what to do is more valuable and they can't teach that in schools. Um, yeah, they're 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 out there. You're having them pull wire, and all of a sudden they're like, "This is a lot harder." It was in the book. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't do you a bit of good. Yeah, and there are some trade uh, schools. Now, again, I'm not saying every. I'm just saying the vast majority. Of course, yeah, not. don't have yeah. labs set up. You know, some of these schools actually have buildings where they uh, they have the funding to like have some little setups where you can drill holes and pull wire. But even that, you got to be buying all this expensive wire and replacing it and throwing it away. And you know, like it's just it's hard for schools to be able to provide that and. Um, I just always tell people, remember, it's a business. And so they where I might pay you $30,000 a year to learn and make mistakes, they're going to charge you tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> to not. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing paying for yeah. something that's that'll pay you instead? So that's one thing I just Good I just point. caution people. If you have a trade school representative or anything at like a career fair that's trying to explain, um, just think, what am I actually getting? Like real world, what am I getting? How long is it taking? How is it as expensive as it versus just going and calling somebody that's an electrician, going through, you know, Google in your city and go to the top 10 best rated companies. Just say, hey, are you hiring? Hey, are you hiring? Hey, I have no experience, but I would love to start. Hey, are you hiring? Um, if you're in the union, it's a little different. You actually have to go through a testing procedure. You have to test to see, you know, if you're if you have some like uh, mechanical understandings and things like that. And you get put in a rating system to see who gets a job first and all that. But you do have to go through some formal training. Um, so the union is just a little bit different. Yep. And I will say that uh, for the non-union guys out there, I can say most electricians out there, if you call that company up and go, hey, are you guys hiring? Someone's going to at least hear what you have to say. Yeah. Right or now. yeah, or they might just care enough to be like, we're not, but like, here's the steps you need to take. If you call this person over here, I bet that they're hiring or, you know, exactly. yeah, just don't be afraid to call around and, and see. Real quick, I wanted to mention this before we jump out. I love, and it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I caught it one time on like ESPN or something. The electrician Olympics, whatever they call that, where they're sitting there and they have to wire a room up in like an hour or something stupid. That's fascinating to watch on television. Yeah, it really is. Especially when you have a good production company that's producing the show. <laughs> so I'm yeah. actually going, there's a few of them. Um, different organizations yeah. do them, but uh, there's one this weekend, this Friday that I'm going to, um, I think it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Nice. It's from Ideal. It's the Ideal National Championship for Electricians. 
And uh, they, over time, they have like local competitions where you can go to a supply house and they've got little setups that for certain supply houses that participate in it. And you do a couple things and they time you and then you figure out if you advance in the next round. And then they kind of like, you know, just like any tournament, they make it smaller and smaller. And then for the nationals, the people that get picked, they there's like 200 and some people and they all get yeah. thrown in. There's people from different countries, from like Australia and everything. Um, and they have a big, huge thing and it's telegraph it's uh it's filmed and so the last yeah. year i did was espn2 they actually televised the entire thing on espn2 and the person yeah that's i think that's what i was watching was espn2 and i was like holy smokes where's this been all my yeah. life this is cool to watch yeah and these dudes are winning like seventy thousand dollar work fans yeah it's not messing around get checks for like 50 g's i think the one guy that won i don't know if they are letting him still compete but he won like five years in a row <laughs> and it's like 75 grand a year so he doesn't even have to work but he's he's a great dude he's such a like a nice person and he just does clean work quickly and he's figured out their competition structure and what he has to do to win and yep. like he just nails it every year they're like can you uh come work for yeah. us and uh be one of the announcers because we're tired of writing you checks yeah. it's cheaper for us and better for the sport if you come up here and and come on the camera side versus the participants. Yeah, side. that was somebody that was telling me, uh, I think last year, that they were going to try to tell him to like come and teach or something like that instead of competing. And I'm like, that's that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Dustin, thanks for coming on today, man. Electrician you, this has been great. And uh, we'll dive in a little deeper next time, but this has been a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, man, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, I wish you all the best of luck with all of your endeavors, with the show, with everything, man. You too, brother. Keep spreading the word out there. I'm Eric G, and you've been listening to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.